Welcome back to the United States of America, everybody. As always, I'm your midget co-host, Brandon Lirio, three-time Mr. Natural Olympia. And on the other side is my giantess of an Amazonian, even though she's probably about the same height as me, Layla Pollock, our figure pro. Say hi, Layla. Hi. Can they hear me from all the way down here? (laughs) Listen, if they can hear me and they're not listening to me, they're listening to you. Um, They can't see me. I'm five foot, 100 pounds. Oh, that seat makes you look much bigger. Yeah, but as a guy, only being 5'5", five, five, I feel like that means if I was a girl, I'd be like 4'2". <laughs> right? Better college for free. Well, what's interesting is today, we decided that we're going to go right back to our roots of bodybuilding. Forget food, forget social media. And we're here to tell you guys, bodybuilding is not a sport. No, it's not. I usually then come back from the intro and have some kitschy way of telling you that this was a clickbait title. We're going to go over some cool information and some education. Only thing I'm going to tell you guys right now is that this is 100% a feelings-based podcast. We, as and by we, I mean me and Layla, are just going to word diarrhea into the cameras about how we feel about bodybuilding and whether or not it's a sport. Now, right before we started filming, you said something about me in terms of my perspective on the sport. What did you say I was in terms of bodybuilding as a sport? An industry lifer, an industry, like, professional. Like, this is what you do. You're fully involved with the federations, and I'm just here like a lab rat that you discovered that is now going into this, and I'm like... However... I don't think it's a sport. To my detriment, that's basically like saying... I'm an industry leader in this brand new type of chiropractic medicine that's only made for newts and geckos, right? I may know exactly what I'm talking about as it relates to the subject matter, but realistically, it's our own circles. That is how I feel about this, is like, if, if someone came to us, you're the doctor that went to school for this, and I'm just like... I, I like to play too. I may agree with that, except that the doctor school that I went to was in like the back of a YMCA parking lot. You know what I mean? Like we may think that I will concede, right? Kinesiology, biomechanics. Sure. Those are body movement scientists. However, bodybuilding, which is really my expertise, okay. is a self-imposed title on a self-governed sport that has probably the most subjectivity outside of ribbon dancing in the Olympics, right? Um, Is that just because it doesn't actually exist and you have to do it? Like, you have to pioneer the education yourself in bodybuilding. That's actually just how it kind of works. You did kind of go to school for it too, let's be honest. I mean, I went to, let's call it like the, you know, the school of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, School education. Sure. But again, that was all biomechanics. My job right now is coaching. It's self-imposed. If I went to a store or a building or an incorporated and was like, hi, I'm a bodybuilder. I would like a job, please. They would go, we don't have jobs for that. And I would go, thank you so much for your time. And I would leave, right? Like what I mean to say is that when we talk about bodybuilding, we're talking about aesthetic sports, making people get on stage to look a certain way. It's not personal training, right? Personal training is getting in shape, powerlifting yeah. even, sure, Again, subjective, but realistically, we all know when the weight is on the floor and when it's at lockout. How close you could be to that lockout point to actually making it count is the subjectivity. Bodybuilding as a sport is subjective in the sense of even by the decade. 
almost every not almost every day, show. Every I mean, time. it changes yeah. subjectivity. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think, you know, and I'd completely forgotten about this when I came up with the subject matter. This is my title, by the way. Totally forgot about the subjectivity of like, hey, the, you know, the fashion of the year is hamstrings. And it's like, I, what? Like last year it was shoulders. That's what I fucking worked on. And then you show up to your show and you're like, great. Really glad the judges are looking for something I did not focus on. You know? Now. Anyway, I jumped way ahead. No, no, no. You didn't. Because realistically, this is the staple of the sport, right? You don't have a sport without judges criteria. It's, I, look, I, I hate that I'm bringing this up. I watched the Giants get absolutely fucking butt stomped yesterday, forty to. I actually didn't. I wa didn't watch it after halftime. I was like, "That's it, game's over." However, the reason I bring that up is to say, even the subjectivity of physical distances was the ball in the end zone. Was it not? Was it personal foul? Did they jump the line? Was it a false start? Whatever, right? Yes. Whether yes. or not you like football or don't, the yes. same subjectivity exists where it's whatever the definition of it is. Yes. Yes. So there are protocols, there are rules, there are things that can be written down in paper. And, then and they're subjective. Like, which is regarded as one of the hardest sports in the world. There is very little objectivity. Like you do this super insanely hard thing only to go on stage for your three seconds of time and who actually really fucking knows. So if we say that and we travel down that road, which I agree with you 100% on, my devil's advocate argument has always been this. If you take a look at the Olympics, races, I mean, listen, outside of, I would say, sprinting, like, you know, running in general, cycling, maybe in a closed course, even if you take a look at the skiing events or skeet shooting or whatever, all of the other stuff that's going on at the snowpack, one side versus the other, those are all subjective variables, right? Because you don't really know what it's going to be like on your side versus the other guy's side. Running, right? The track is what it is and the track's uh, sizes have been adjusted so that everybody runs the exact same distance and it's laser tracked, GPS tracked, you know, people's equipment is checked. Outside of that, you take a look at gymnastics, you take a look at uh, really anything in the gymnastics section, swimming and high diving, right? Uh, those are subjective, but we all consider them to be judgeable in the Olympics for gold medals is the only counter argument I have to the subjectivity of our sport being too much. Is it any more subjective than a person jumping on an Olympics floor with a ribbon going... And being like, that guy jumped the best. He deserves the gold medal. The That's fuck my thing. Is that ribbon twirling was a sport? Oh uh, yeah, sport. it definitely is. It's called uh, floor dancing. I think it's a ribbon dancing. Yeah, I didn't even know what the name of it. It's ribbon twirling. Take like the the balance beam or the high bars, right? Those are still judged subjectively. How difficult is it? Here is a rule book telling you how difficult these things are and whether or not those tricks can be performed. So I would argue, can bodybuilding be an Olympic sport? And is it arguably the inception of a sport that could be in the Olympics. Sure. It's no less subjective than those things, but the bodies and how we train to get there, right? The fun part of it, I would argue. Um, that's what we talk about when we talk about bodybuilding, right? If you took somebody who didn't like bodybuilding, didn't read the mags, didn't watch the shows and was like, that guy goes to the gym 
they would look at a person who's very fit and go, wow, he looks like a bodybuilder. They get what the sport is and they can appreciate the aesthetics of it. So now the question becomes, and I'll pose this to you, bodybuilding being a sport, are we talking about the time that someone starts lifting for the specific purpose of the stage or just the 10 minutes they're on stage as being the sport? That's the first question. So, and that's where the argument comes in. Like bodybuilding is not a, not a sport. It's a lifestyle. Sure. Right? Yeah. So is that what you think? That it's a For lifestyle, not a sport? <laughs> so I was trying to think of this on the drive home. Like, you know how the, the, the thing goes like, if it's a weeble, it's a wobble, but it doesn't make it a wobble. If it's a, like that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Like bodybuilding is one of those sports that is a lifestyle sport. Is it, I don't know, is it more of a lifestyle than a sport or is every, every sport is not a lifestyle. That's, yeah, I can I see, yeah, 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 you're right, you're every right. Every sport is not a lifestyle. But every, every fitness well, lifestyle would probably lead to some sport, I would argue. Well, I mean, some people are just kind of fit and go to the gym, right? That doesn't mean they participate in any sort of sport. Sure. I guess, I, I mean, if I wanted to be generous about this for anyone that wants to argue that bodybuilding is a sport, I would say it is, but it is so much more than that. Like, this is the kind of sport you carry with you. You don't go and train and do your thing and then you go home and you're done. It's like everything you fucking do matters with this sport because it's actually just your life. Hmm. I mean... I guess taking a a step back to that football moniker that I had in the beginning is like, okay, I would argue that good football players probably see their, you know, looking back at tapes and studying plays and doing this other stuff the same way we see those things. Um, So the, I guess the interesting thing would be the correlation of people who are good at these sports versus people who are not good at these sports and how if every one of them who considered themselves you did this last podcast. I'll bring it up and say that I'm about to be a downer here. If you take a look at somebody like Aaron Hernandez, who committed horrible crimes and then killed himself in prison when he was on trial for those crimes, he was doing that during his off time right after and right before the Super Bowl. Like, literally was shooting people before he stepped on the field to win a Super Bowl championship. He was still a very, 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 very good football player. So there are some people who have inherent ability to just be good at it. But the vast majority of people in every sport, their lifestyle revolves around being good at that sport, which lends a feather in the cap of bodybuilding is a sport, right? To be good at it, you have to think about it all the time. And you have to be looking back at your tapes and looking back at your plays and looking back at your nutrition and making sure that it's where it's supposed to be changing things when something's not working the same way you would call audible plays or, you know, changing tires if you were racing on a different track. So I think that you're very, very much in the wheelhouse of being a hundred percent correct in the sense of it being a lifestyle. So the question then posed back to you would be, what makes our lifestyle included in calling it or not calling it a sport, but these other people who have to study their tapes or go to a thing or do a chiropractor, what makes their thing more sports and ours being more lifestyle? That this is like our physical body. Our body is the sport. You do not disassociate from it ever. Gotcha. So like a fuck up in prep 
doesn't mean you're going to show up and be a good bodybuilder. It will always show on your frame if you didn't do the That's work. That's what I'm saying. Is like gotcha. you could be Dennis Rodman, go out, get fucking shit hammered, show up to your game, and, and still play. be amazing. Yeah. You can't do that in bodybuilding. You either mark all the boxes, you check everything, you get everything right, or it does show. Like that. That is the way the sport works. Is you have to do everything right. You know. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I think that it's a very apt thing if I were to like bookend that to say in most sports, if you have inherent talent, you could show up having done half the work and luck out. Whereas in bodybuilding, if everybody shows up and did what they were supposed to do and you're a good bodybuilder, but you half-assed the work, it will always be a human representation of how you half-assed it because you can't fall into a no, Olympia yeah. level physique. You can't. There's no winging it or like had a surprisingly good game or, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. The other thing, and I don't, maybe I just don't, you know how I live. Like I make everything harder than it has to be. But I also feel like, let's say you are a professional basketball player and you want to go out and eat a steak before the game or whatever. Like you can't do that in bodybuilding. Like there is no part of a normal life that you get to have when you're in prep. Mm. You just can't have it. Like. You can't have a drink to like shake your nerves off and you can't like you can't you can't you can't it is the sport of you can't (laughs) and I want to say um, being on the coaching side because I know some people will bring this up there are people that think that the drinks before the stage are a benefit to their dryness and vascularity I think to more define what you're saying is that even saying to yourself my nerves are shot and now my cortisol is spiking I need to have a drink that's still programmed in. You then say to yourself, okay, I'm weighing the pros and cons, and I think that the alcohol will pull water, will allow my nerves to drop, and then I will go to sleep and my cortisol will go down. Whereas if Michael Jordan has a shit game, he could go out and have a drink and be like, well, that was what it was. I'll go to the next one. Or vice versa, if he has a good game and goes out to celebrate, both of those things are vices. Bodybuilders don't get a chance always to do those vices because it will always affect the end result. I guess that's what I'm saying is like, Every other athlete I can think of, you can have a way out. You can do something that you're allowed to do that won't affect your performance or that will affect your performance. And bodybuilding, you really can't. Yeah. I mean, right? yeah, I think that that's accurate. I that, think that, that makes even, it not a sport, but that I, makes it more lifestyle. Yeah. No, no, no. Else, I don't know. I would argue that what you're saying in terms of physical performance versus physical aesthetics is the, the, the main X factor, right? What you're looking yeah. at is, like you said, I can be a God-gifted athlete and go out and somehow tap into my potential and have a decent or maybe a more than decent game. You can never let life affect you and your physique and how you see things and suddenly step on stage and be a good bodybuilder for 10 minutes. It, mm-hmm. It's... I don't know of if I've ever heard of a situation where a person was like, everything went bad, but it just so happened when I stepped on stage, everything went right and I won. Yeah. yeah I Other like than the fact that everybody showed up and they weren't ready. You know what I mean? You could be a fighter. And I, that, that's the one I like liken bodybuilding to the most is like, because it's a highly individualized sport. And you do have to cut weight and do all those things. Like, but you could even be a fighter, not have done everything right and still win your fight. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's sure. just weak. Sure. And and a a very, a counter argument in terms of that in the utmost professional sense would be um, Michael, uh, Mike Tyson, 
when Mike Tyson was winning his world championships, he basically became super famous for knocking people the fuck out in 15 seconds. Then he took his training not as serious when he went over to like Japan and China and into Asia and Africa. And then he showed up and got knocked the fuck out because essentially he thought he was unbeatable. And then that sort of started this downhill spiral, even though he's since had great comebacks and his, I wouldn't fucking fight him. Um, the, the thing is, is that, like you said, there was a chance that if he was... I bet on you. You'd be fine. Boof. Boof. Joke. <laughs> no, don't do... Listen, if you if I looked at the books and it said, hey, Layla put money on you, I would look over at the ring and... Don't do it's that. It's for your funeral. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it, you do say you're a risk taker, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very much a type like, let me in the ring, let me in the ring. He's 50 pounds heavier than me. I don't care. Let's right? go. Yeah. But no, I think that the that like for me the intriguing thing about bodybuilding was that it's a one man preparation cycle that lasts a vast majority of the year. It requires yeah. specification and it requires some level of mental tenacity that has to last for months on end, even if it's only in short bursts, right? Because look, if you liken it to a soccer game, you're not out there for the full 90 minutes, right? You're getting subbed in, subbed out. You could be in the back of the field while everybody else in the front is doing what they need to do, whatever. You can maybe have a couple of days in a prep where you're not fully there, but you still have to go out there and kick the can down the road. So, you know, I think that's what's always drawn me to bodybuilding in general is that it requires this high level of planning and specificity and mental tenacity for such a long period of time that you're either built for it or you're not. Um, whereas, you know, I don't want to say in terms of a professional in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, whatever, they probably 100%, especially with millions of dollars on the line, will feel that way. But seasons start and end. A bodybuilding show happens between February and December. Really, and even then, I, I know some in January that have happened. They just don't happen regularly. But that means that 11 months out of the year, if you're really trying to be an up-and-coming bodybuilder, you have the opportunity to set a target basically 11 out of the 12 months out of the year. And so that requires all 12 months of that tenacity and that specificity to be there. To get to where I am, I mean, I, I've been lifting for six years. I've been competing for two, but preparing for three. I feel like I have been locked in for three years. Sure. You know, because that's what it takes is you really don't get a day off. That, this is what I kind of wish we had touched on in the red pill is like everything I was eating mattered. How much sleep I was getting mattered. Did I skip any days at the gym? It mattered like. Right. Maybe it's just me being too hard on myself, but I feel like that is what was required of me to get my physique in the shortest amount of time to where it is right now. Like I had no choice. Yeah, I would argue too that that's not you. Uh, that that, that I, I agree 100% that it is. And I think that what the extrapolation of what we're both saying is that you're carrying all of those mistakes like a badge of dishonor. Whereas if it's a performance sport, you may be able to shake it off and just get back up there and do it, right? Um there's no way if your body is tired and it's showing that it's tired that you somehow yeah. get on stage and it looks not tired. Yeah, that's the thing is you carry this Can't. around all day. Like you don't get away from it. You don't go play a game. You had a bad game. You go back the next day. It's like hour to hour you're looking at yourself and it's just there with you all the time. Like I I'm, I don't know if I can speak for all bodybuilders, but I can probably speak for all bodybuilders. You walk by a fucking mirror 
No, you're speaking. You're not even just speaking for all bodybuilders. You're speaking for all people who like bodybuilding. They do that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, and that's the thing is, like, I never used to be like that. But now I am. Now it's like a subconscious. Like I'll look at myself. Like, how am I doing? Yeah, it's uh, like a yeah, it's a progress check for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't really enjoy that I'm like that now. You know. So would you trust if we were to say hypothetically then that yes, at least some level of bodybuilding is a sport, um, which is funny because you were mentioning earlier when we were chatting about, oh, you know, he's the guy who uh, has been around the block and he's been in the I, – I actually have more arguments of bodybuilding not being a sport and it just being a, a culmination of trying to judge physical uh, perfection more yeah. than a sport. However, that the – like I said, it's a culmination. Everything that's leading up to it is training. It, but the training tool is the benefit of at the end, you're going to be judged on how well you did. So even if I were to say bodybuilding is a sport, I'm training for the sport and then getting up on stage as a sport is like 15 minutes. So I would argue with you that like, no, I'm training and this is my lifestyle is as a professional athlete, but that the bodybuilding as a sport is a one day thing that happens at the culmination of whenever I decide my season is starting and ending. Um, but then wouldn't, wouldn't you also argue that like the way it's different than a sport is this also rests so very heavily on an individual's body and genetics that there is no chance of somebody else just going and playing better, you know, like which can happen in a sports sport where there are markers that you can meet that, this person played better or did better or threw more. So I want to, I, I would, I, the, the rebuttal I would have for that would be books like outliers or, um, the sports gene. Um, those are books that basically explain uh, what you're talking about. That, that whole 10,000 hours mentality is just, that's yes, it helps. But if you are a genetically God given athlete, which they basically have boiled down to how you, uh, if I were taking a look at like hockey or volleyball or baseball, the way they see the variables happens at slower speeds, at um, decreases in their adrenal gland uh, releases. It's very, very different how they process information than someone else. And I would argue that that's their genetic gifts. You can't see them. You can't uh, – sometimes you can. Take a look at Sequan Barkley who has legs the size of a fucking elephant. Um, but a lot of times you can't, right? You're You're – Asking someone to do their part at its maximum, and sometimes that's how they process information, how they disseminate information, how quickly they can do something to a millisecond degree. Yeah, yeah. and that's genetically factored, I would argue. Um, yeah. but I think what you're, like, I think the easier way to say that would be, I can lean on other people who may be better at certain other things and be a decent enough statistical athlete. To be considered elite on a team. Whereas in bodybuilding, you don't get a team. You either guess, are or yeah. you aren't. And maybe that's like me promoting the argument that maybe it's like it's beyond a sport. Like it is – bodybuilding is something, but I don't know if it's a sport. Hmm. Because it really is – the criteria is so specific and so rigid to be able to do very well at it. Like, the, you know, there are people that would probably want to, like, you know, the people that go to Dorian Yates and they're like, I want to be a bodybuilder. What do you think? And he's like, don't no. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nirvana super. 
Nirvana Super is HMB-infused water formulated by Dr. Naji, who is one of the lead medical research scientists at Vanderbilt University. Originally used to help stop muscle wasting in trauma victims as well as disease-ridden patients, this recovery tool boasts benefits like faster muscle recovery, increased joint health, a rise in physical endurance capabilities during exercising, and can even slow the appearance of aging. It also comes in some seriously good flavors and multiple delivery methods. So if you want to figure out how HMB can help you today, visit feelsuper.com and use Natty at checkout to save. Whereas like with basketball, like maybe if you work hard enough, but with bodybuilding, maybe if you work hard enough, still nope. Like you're just not, you're not born for this. You I'm really to. glad you said this. I'm really glad you said this. Because when I was a kid, again, mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, I'm short and I'm a Jewish kid from uh, Brooklyn. I'm not good at basketball, okay? It's not in my genetics. I tried out one time when I was in maybe the eighth grade for one of those intramural uh, summer league teams where, like, all the kids are supposed to make it just so that they can, like, build camaraderie and stuff like that. I was so bad that the coach, no joke, looked at me and was like, listen, man, maybe maybe basketball is not for you. But the reason I say that is this. Is it that the message of if you work hard enough, you try hard enough, you can become anything is just so touted by professional athletes who are... Uh, that is a fucking stupid message and I would love to explain why. But that's what I'm saying. Is is that it? Is that they, they feel the need to tell people you can do anything and hypothetically if you were to try to be really good at basketball even though you weren't and you became a statistician and then worked for the Clippers, well then you were in the NBA. You're you're living your dream just not as a player. If it's so, you know, fork in the road, if that's the way your path sure. took you. But I feel like the dangerous thing with that, and maybe you already agree with this, and I don't need to say it to you, but for anyone listening, the danger that I find in the statement, you can do anything you set your mind to. If you come to me and say you want to get into physique as a woman, and I look at you and I'm like, that's never going to happen, but hey, you could do it. Yeah, try really hard. What happens is you try really hard, you give it your all, you go on stage, you get laughed at. You are now going to think to yourself, it is a failure on your part. Sure. Because you did everything you could, and I told you that you could. So surely it must have been something you did wrong when the real truth was you were never meant for it. Or worse, from a coaching perspective, they're like, you you did something wrong. You know, why didn't I win? And it's like, dude, yes. I should have told you, you right from the jump you probably weren't going to. You're yeah. going to attribute your failure to the wrong thing when right, the truth right. is you should have never tried. Like do something else that you are naturally gifted at. I, but I, people, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're setting I, people for success and self-doubt that they're doing something wrong or their coach is doing something wrong when the truth is you're wrong for the sport. <laughs> like, and I will say like listen, there are people – who you can kind of make out their genetics underneath and they just look a little sloppy or they're, they were overweight and now they're not anymore. I would say, dude, try it, right? If what you want to say is I want to try the sport, you yeah. have my, I think everybody should because then they understand what actual sacrifice, my favorite thing to talk about on podcasts <laughs> is when people, oh, I sacrificed everything for this sport. Sa- this, I sacrificed, dude, you didn't eat a burger at somebody's wedding. Like you, you're not in Iraq in, in the middle of the night taking mortar fire overhead. Like, dude, relax. It's not sac- – it's a personal choice and you didn't sacrifice shit. However, that being said, 
I believe a lot of people could learn a lot about their own level of control and their own level of self-worth by doing something like this. But if someone were to come to me and go, do you think looking at me right now as an 18-year-old kid, I don't want to jump on gear. Could I be the Mr. Olympia and the IFBB? No. That's what I would say. If they were like, I want to try an NPC show to see if I like bodybuilding. Go for it. That's a very different ask. Right. Exactly right. Okay. It's it's yeah. what you're asking for and how yeah. far you expect to take yes. it. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to just trash some girl that wants to be a physique competitor. Some people like, do. Oh, you're going to suck. Like, no. But I'm going to tell her the truth. Like, the build you have is not the particular, you know, fit for that division. That's what I would say. It's I would say. It's difficult for you. I, you know, I say like, that. I say that. Yeah. I'll find a nicer way to say it maybe if I But feel divisions. Like- you made a good point with the divisions where it's like you may be a decent fitness competitor, not in the physique category. You don't yeah. have the musculature for it. If you don't yeah. want to jump on gear, it's not going to happen for you. But you look great for bikini. Try it out. See if you like it. That's what I – I mean, but I, I know you would say that too. What I mean to say with that is just there are people out there who are like, no, like don't bodybuild. It's not for you. And it's like, dude – They've never even trained like a couple months in their life. You don't know what their genetics is going to bring out. Let them try it. Yeah, some people are capable. They will. They will fucking wow you. Yeah, there are there's some wild cards out there. I think some I, of I, I coached. I tra- yeah, I don't think my coach at the time believed that I was gonna. What did I do? I cut from 121 pounds to 97 in 10 weeks. Damn, dude. It was nuts. Yeah, these are the preps I've told you about. Where yeah. I was like, I think I'm dying. Yeah. I think. Which we've said before on this podcast, it is a controlled level of just killing yourself very slowly. You just don't hope you take it that far. Yes, yeah. I mean, that ultimately, you are starving. And eventually, if you starve enough, you will die. Like, yeah. it's not a sustainable place to be at all. But yeah, yeah, I still remember his face. He was like, what the fuck when I showed up, like, fully shredded? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which... That you never thought would be able to do it. So, so let's let's pull the thread of what we had just said before, right? That's what people are talking about, where they say, put your mind to something and you can do anything, right? We put our mind to this idea of, I wanted this bad enough that I brought out the maximum of my potential in a very yeah. short period of time. And yeah. I did so yeah. to such yeah. a grave degree that everybody noticed. Yes. I'm That's an important yes. thing. And I, I really hope everybody gets a point in their life. I was talking to my, my family, my brother, about this the other day where it was like, you know, I'm kind of in this limbo area with bodybuilding and some personal stuff going on with the, my, my chosen federation. And it comes down to I did the thing. I got the trophies. I wanted to be the best, and I was. And for four years within that federation and two others that I pro-qualified in and just never took advantage of it. I ran my division. Now that let's say I decide, okay, you know, I'm kind of over it. Like, I don't feel like I missed out. I maximized my potential and I won. And I won a lot. And it was like, okay, I know that I've maximized my potential and I can do it again. If I choose to, I will. If I don't, then I won't. And I'll do something else with it. But knowing that I have the potential to be like, I would like to do this and I want to do it at a world-class level and to be able to actualize it was is very important. It's empowering. It's also kind of releasing because it's like, oh, no, I, I said I was going to do it and I did do it. But yeah. the trouble is when people are persuaded and misled in the direction of when we say anything, I'm never going to be a star forward. 
right? I'm never going to be a point guard for the NBA. Yeah, that is the example I always use. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll call you when I qualify for the NBA, you fucking moron. Like, it's yeah. never going to happen for me. Now, if you Dude, say to someone, no. right, let's take a look at, like, Muggsy Bogues or, you know, somebody who's 5'5 in the NBA. Like, sure, it happened for some people. So the tenacity of don't let anybody tell you what you can't do, for sure. However, if you've dipped your toes in the pool and you've been in the pool now for a week, and a week being months and months and months in reality, and every expert you're meeting is going, dude, you, I want you to be there, but you don't have it. Like, it's just not there. It would be ill-advised and stupid to not listen to those experts who you've asked their expert opinion on. If you've never, just the one, just the one. If you've never tried and you want to give it a shot, don't let anybody tell you not to. I'm 100% in that. I would agree with that because at the, you know, at the end of the day, like you were saying, you might find something else about it, beneficial, whatever. You might find a new discovered love of, Something that you find along the way while you're doing it because, yeah. what is it, a statistician? A clinical, what did you say? A clinical aesthetician. You're aesthetically looking at somebody, you know what I mean? Wasn't it? It was like where you tried out for a basketball team, but you didn't become a basketball player, but you ended up Oh, a statistician. Somebody. Like, you, you're really yeah. good at, at understanding yeah. stats yeah. and things like a, that. A new path might open up for you if you were really passionate about this thing, and it might not pan out the way you thought, but something great sure. might happen for you, sure. right? Um. Motherfucker. Oh, but yeah, but the, the difference I would say here is what Muggsy, what the fuck Muggsy is that? Muggsy Bogues. Okay. I still stand by the whole like Dorian Yates looking you up and down and telling you no, because in this sport of bodybuilding, there is no chance that you can go on stage and crush somebody with genetic potential that outworks you. Whereas in a sport, there there is that chance that you can be Muggsy. You can sure. be five five and be an amazing basketball player or whatever it is. Yeah. There is no chance with a poor genetic makeup or structure, you're going to be a world-class bodybuilder or make it on IFBB Pro, whatever, like, you know? Yeah, what's really funny, too, is if you go back and take a look at, like, uh, Nick Walker in his first show and even, like, when he won North or, or won his pro card, it was like, I commend the coaches who looked at him and were like, this could be something. Because, like, you look at his first show and, it, like, he he didn't do good. Like, he, he literally looks very small. He's, uh... When I well, I met him in person when we were at the Arnold and we were filming for Generation Iron and we got a chance to actually sit and chat with him. We met with um, uh, his coach, Matt Jensen. We got to sit down with Sean Clarita. And we sat down with a lot of the guys, Derek Lunsford. Um, got to talk to Regan Grimes for a while. The height differences in terms of their potential and how much muscle you can hold on their frame is a lot more stark when you see them in person. And so we can say genetically, even looking at a photo, like, man... Like, how how could somebody like X guy beat this other guy? And it's like, well, if you looked at them standing next to each other, one of them's 4'8", and the other one's 5'11", and he outweighs them by 138 pounds. Yeah. Okay, I get it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I commend a lot of people. Like, I can take a look at generally an untrained athlete and then move to generally, like, beginner-trained athletes and go, you could be good, you might not be good, this is what I would do, I wouldn't do this, try it out, but I'm going to let you know the first couple years you're probably going to get stomped. I'll always shoot people straight, and I've told them, like, right, I try not to, like, the week before a show, but I've sat with them and been like, listen, this is what the judges are going to say to you. They're going to tell you you need tighter hamstrings, they're going to tell you, 
you we have to do everything we can with your posing and with the great musculature you have in your upper body and your quads to try to overshadow that and overpower that. I'm never going to tell somebody they have the perfect body and they weren't ready to compete. But I'm also not going to trash somebody right before the show because just like doing any other sport, you wouldn't want to mess with their confidence right before they're going to go out. You know what I mean? I mean, at that rate, you have to really weigh the benefit. Like there's no there's no good that can come out from tanking somebody right before yeah. they walk there. Like, and not to mention, if you were the one that got them there, you should have told them that long before they got up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you um, know. How, how far in are we? I always feel like we do this. We, like, get a hold of something, and then that becomes the episode for the next fucking oh, 40 so th- we're, we're 35 minutes, and we're still talking about bodybuilding, man. We're still on yeah. it. Is it a sport? Is it a sport? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you now. So now I'm going to ask the question to you, Brandon. That's what you always say to me. That's what yeah. I always say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to know. Yes. I, I believe that bodybuilding is a sport within the confines of the venue that you are competing. The same way that football is a sport professionally within the confines of MetLife Stadium or the link or, you know, in San Francisco or, you know, wherever your team plays, right? Kansas City. I believe that football players at practice and doing what they need to do at other facilities are professional football players living their lifestyle, but that they are not playing football sport at that given time, whether you're in the practice facility or not. The game happens when you're playing football. The game of bodybuilding happens when I step inside the Veterans Center in Culver City or, you know, the the Rio uh, in Las Vegas or the Orleans or I step inside anyone who bodybuilds will get this joke or I step inside the East Haven High School Auditorium for the 19th time for the Chicago Naturals or whatever, um, you know, or the NPC Naturals or whatever. Uh, I believe that the sport happens in the seven to eight hours that the show takes place. That is the sport. How good of a an aesthetic show can you put on based on this criteria and we will tell you who did it the best. That's a sport to me. It's got rules, it's got regulations, it's got judges, it's got winners, it's got losers, it's got spectators. That sounds like a sport to me, and by every aspect, everything outside of that that you monetize, that you personify, that you glorify, that you just want everybody to take advantage of, is the training that makes the lifestyle of a bodybuilder all-encompassing, but that stuff is just training the same way you know, people doing kicks and snaps or, uh, you know, taking shots on goal when nobody's on the field. You're not playing soccer. You're just practicing. It's the same thing we're doing in the gym. We're taking what our genetic potential is and trying to maximize it so that when we play the game, then we can play the sport when we step into the venue. That's what I feel about it. Am I supposed to add to that? (laughs) <laughs> I, no, I, I think that the important thing for you to add <clears throat> would be having just gone pro and having been on stages that are both tested and untested and training the way that you do either with coaches or without them, do you believe that the sport of bodybuilding as it relates to even just stepping in the venue to compete – 
can be regulated to the extent of every other professional sport in our industry where it would be widely accepted that the winners are the winners and the losers are the losers to at least a 51% majority of people saying so? Or do you believe that because of the subjectiveness of aesthetics and what people just like to see on bodies and don't like to see, it can't be a sport. It's more of just a personal lifestyle choice and we're crowning our own champions because we all exist in these general guidelines. That's really tough. Um, And I think that's a tough question for me to answer personally because I actually don't even know myself what all the criteria is Mm. for even my own division. Sure. Yeah. Um, so without knowing that, you know, it'd be hard to comment on that, whether or not, I mean, like what comes to mind is like that Olympia year where Phil Heath won and Kai Green should have, in my personal opinion. Yep. There was also the year when, uh, Victor Martinez should have won, even though Jay Cutler won or the last two Olympias that Ronnie Coleman won. Yeah. And that's the thing is like us saying those things right now, is that applied to any other sport where it's like Michael Jordan should have won? This person should have won, like, or that team should have won. Like, it, it just doesn't seem to happen that way. The chips can't fall that way. I would Some- also, I would say, like, the only exception to that rule would be when the... Or the, fighting. Actually, fighting is a good one. Yeah, but again, no. the referees, even in professional sports, sometimes get the calls wrong, and that will destroy the drive that they've had, which means they didn't score, or they'll pull them back from the goal line, which means that they didn't actually get the points, and then they lose the ball, Um, but it happens less. I'll give you that. And I think that one of the things that people don't know, I'm actually curious to know if you know this, the people who stand on an NFL field that are the referees, most of them are CEOs of major companies. Do you know why? No. Because then I don't need to accept your shitty hundred thousand dollars to rig the game. So essentially what you have is people who are well-paid enough that all they need to do is their job. Whereas... So that you're saying they can't be... I want to say can't. The NBA has a very, very well-known case where the guy actually was bought off. And then there are people who bet on games. It's possible. But it's less likely because it will ruin the capability of all of their other stuff, which made them rich. So... Then the question becomes, if that's a fail-safe that other sports have, where they have very well-paid judges, I will be the first to tell you, I know what natural judges get paid. I know what I've gotten paid. I don't know what the IFBB pays their judges. I don't have any idea. I guess if I'm being honest, and I'm glad you, I, I'm sorry if I'm going to derail this, but like a lot of people on my Instagram have said this. And it is something I actually do harbor as a fear. Like, and this is why sometimes I feel like it's not as much as a sport is what if the judges just don't like me? 100%. You know, like 100%. After everything we do and we pour into this and you could maybe outperform somebody, it's just like, what if they just don't like what I am or the 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 kind of person I am or the show that I put on or the, the aura that I bring to stage? And like, that's fucked. That's fucked. I have a personal story about this. Because it happened to me. You do. 100%. So here's what happened. Man, you know. You know shit. All right. I'm not going to say the name of the show because my friend actually runs the show and it wasn't his fault. It wasn't really – I wouldn't even say fault, right? 
there was a judges panel, and this is why on a lot of shows they don't like the judges to talk to each other. Just write down what you want on your scorecards and move on, and you can talk to each other at the night show when the scores are cut. Okay. The, there was a female judge and two other judges that were friends with this female judge. All of them happen to be female. And it was a small division of me and one other person on years between when I won the Olympias and the Team USA and Nationals and the Universe. So I was in the middle of my title runs. It was the only show that I lost in three and a half years up until my my recent Olympia uh, second and third places. I went to them after the show because I believed that I had enough. I didn't dial it in all the way, but on purpose because I knew the Olympia was coming. And I was about 80%. But my size and the density that I had was miles ahead of this other person, who, by the way, is a nice guy. He's great. I'm not taking this out on him. It's a judge's call. I get it. I know. Which show this was? I asked the judges. What was it? Because I felt my posing was good. Sure, my hamstrings didn't show 100%. My quads could be more cut. But size, density, and definition, I beat the shit out of the other person. Like, what the hell? And what they said is why I will never do the show again. They said, well, just take a look at him. You know, this title is named for a very specific look. And he just has that all-American boy look to him. You know, he's got light hair, light eyes, no tattoos, he's clean-shaven. And in what I heard was, we don't like your tattoos, your beard, and you look too old. Yeah. And I went, Yeah. So what you're saying is, you personally like the physical look of a younger boy who doesn't have tattoos as big. And I just looked at her and I went, Thanks for that. And I just grabbed my shit and I left because th- that's not something I can work on, right? It's not, I need bigger delts. They didn't yeah. like me because of how I looked. And I was like, if that's your litmus test for whether or not there's a winner or a loser on stage, I'm out. And I never went back to the show. And while my athletes, some of them have done that show and one of them will again this year, um, I tell people, understand that this show being unsanctioned or being in this federation or being with the WBFFs coming under fire for that right now, big time. Um, we have to understand that that is a very real possibility that without transparency in judging and without transparency of why they chose or didn't choose you, they may just not fucking like you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nutribio. Nutribio with no compromise since 1996. They never hide behind proprietary blends and always tout transparent labels. With industry-leading formulations, all with clinical dosages of ingredients and products spanning from bodybuilders to athletes to just general health clients, Nutribio has exactly what you need to take your goals to the next level. Hit up Nutribio.com and use code word Natty at checkout to save. Yeah, but that's fucked up. Sure. That is, that is not a criteria by by which you can quantify or qualify. And I know that there are people who probably watch basketball that will say that there are players that the refs have just not liked and so they call personal fouls on them more or there are teams that are generally not liked in the NFL so they're called personal fouls a lot more or, you know, whatever the the actual um, penalty may be. That's true. But for us, right, if they have one bad call, like you said, there's still enough game most of the time to make up that call and try to use your grit to win. If a judge just doesn't like you in bodybuilding, they're just going to put you in last place. 
And mm-hmm. that's, I would argue, so now I'll ask you this in terms of the sports side of it. Do you believe then that it's the head judge's job to take a look at those scorecards and correct them or understand that it's not the head judge's call to just pick the winners and go, this is a federation problem, but I'm not going to solve it at this judge's table. I got to let this one go through. What would you say as an athlete you would prefer to hear is the choice? That the head judge cleans up the cards or that that's what the person chose and they're just going to have to take a tongue lashing after the show and maybe have their judge's card revoked? Well, I'm drunk on power from turning the tables earlier, so I'm going to do it again. Instead of you asking me that question, you answer it first. I don't believe it's a head judge's job to pick the winners because if it was, then it should be one guy at the table. So if the other judges, let's say, because again, we're not the only division. It's not everybody comes out, you pick one, and then everybody goes home. The head judge should be monitoring those cards And if they see a pattern of behavior in terms of personal preference or leaning away from judges' criteria that has been well-established, then it's their job to stop the issue and be like, you got to go, I'm replacing you. Then if you want to bring everybody, let's say, in those first two divisions out and rejudge them, that's up to you. But it should not be the judge just omitting scores because he feels or she feels like they don't understand. Because then why don't you just pick the winners and everybody will just agree with you or disagree with you? When you ask, yeah, I'm absolutely inclined to say like, no, that is not the answer. You can't just have one person go around correcting scorecards because what if they don't like you? Then really fucked. But um, being as I'm not a judge and I've never seen a scorecard in my life, how in the world did they mark you down if there is a qualifiable point system? You know, like, so, there isn't talk- a broad hair and blue eyes checkmark box, so what do they do? It That depends on what federation you're talking about, because some federations have their scores. Hey, how much did this person get on muscularity? How much did they get on this? The vast majority of divisions and federations, especially when it considers amateurs, is what we call rack and stack, which is if there's five athletes, someone's getting five points, someone's getting four points, someone's getting three, someone's getting two, someone's getting one, and you have to write down why you – and you don't have to actually. Let me rephrase that. It is is expected that you should be able to quantify why you felt that way, which is why – I went to the judges' table and asked them. Yeah. But that, is that was system- their feedback yeah. to me. Is, is that is, is that system bomb-proof? Because then I feel like that does leave a lot of wiggle room for doing what huge they did amounts. to you. Yeah, huge because amounts. Because I feel like, yeah. So maybe get rid of that kind of point system that seems like leaves a lot of margin for personal preference and subjectivity. Like, I would I would then have to say... the Five out of five or nine. Yeah, I I would say, though, that then what you're asking about is a more robust judge's scorecard in the sport in general where it goes, you've got points from one to five. Yeah. You need to judge them on muscularity. You need to judge them on conditioning. You need to judge them on posing. You need to judge them on stage presence. And then you need to judge them on symmetry, top to bottom, left to right. Which is always what I thought it was. Like, I guess For, that's how I, no, nope, <laughs> it's not. I, I don't know how to, t- I mean, I can't think of a, and I would argue this too, right? Then the issue also becomes how long are you going to keep this group of athletes on stage and what's the quantifiable difference between four points and five points, right? I think that when I, I agree with um, Steve Weinberger, who's the head judge for the IFBB, when he said, people think this is a difficult job. 
But when you get the top 16 guys in the world and you're the one sitting at a table looking at them, it's not. It's easy. I can probably agree to the extent of if you know what you're looking at, it'd be very easy to go, yes, Kai Green has better legs, but look at the muscle insertions on Phil Heath. Look at how they come all the way down the back instead of Kai Green's high lat insertions. Look at how tapered that makes Phil Heath's waist look. Look at the ratio between the shoulder blades uh, or the shoulders caps and the quads on Phil Heath versus Kai Green. Look at how round the muscle bellies are. When someone explains it to you, you may be able to go, okay, yeah, I understand that. You're asking that person to do that in about three and a half minutes worth of work. Okay. So, and I understand you saying that to me. So then is this person, what's the name of the head judge that you just shot? Steve Steve Weinberger. Steve Weinberger. So can he do that or not in three minutes? He can for sure. But that's a big ask of. Of eight other people on either side of him. Yeah. And I I wouldn't say that too, because he has fired people before in terms of being like, you're a bad judge or, you know, you won't see the same judges return because he doesn't think they're good enough. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe that is the ultimate answer here is like for a sport as hard as this is, maybe the criteria needs to be that hard and we need to pay the judges more, but I I don't know. We probably don't have the budget and the funds for that because bodybuilding is not really that popular of a sport. What I'm saying is if we're going to be doing the hardest sport in the world and being judged by people where things might get subjective, you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, for the, sure. But I, I, I do well, think that the subjectivity of how those judging points are going to be written will always have people saying, hey, it's too subjective. Um, I know that that's just a thing that you're never going to overcome. But I think in the sense of what I would agree with you wholeheartedly is in the arena of it shouldn't be subjective where people who are big fans of the sport and watch it every show are looking at it going, which yeah. does happen a lot more often than we would care to admit. Yeah. Um, you know, case in point, I, I mean, no shade. Uh, there was the Flex Pro this weekend, which was overseas. That was an IFBB Pro show that was sort of a uh, a, a, a preview of some of the Olympia physiques we're going to see. And Nathan Dasha won over Regan Grimes, and I think, like, uh, Blessing was fifth. I watched those recaps. I watched the live streams. First of all, the lighting was fucking awful. But second of all, a lot of these guys kind of washed out. But Regan Grimes' physique is more nice to look at than Nathan. Nathan had better conditioning, rounder muscle bellies, but he has incredibly high lat insertions. And literally that meant his lat insertions were rounded. And then his waist kind of went out again. And then his legs came out. And I was like, I really don't like how this looks. So the subjectivity of that would also be in terms of aesthetics where it's like, even if he won those points, yeah. if we all looked at the stage, most of us, I would say 80% would agree Regan Grimes' physique looked better. Yeah, Like it was a nicer thing to look at. I, I don't have an answer for that one. Like if your body structure is just built a certain way, but you've gunned it and everything is actually perfectly right as as well as you can do it, that's a tough one. Yeah. Like, you just are funny looking, but everything is actually right. And so... it's right based on the numbers, right? This guy yeah. looks better, but he missed it on conditioning, so you win on points. Which, again, sort of argues that this really is a sport, right? The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. The best team doesn't always win the Stanley Cup. It's who showed up at the right time 
and managed to put enough conglomeration of things together to be the best for a very short period of time. And so, look, I'll say this. I think that we have the great ability and function to be a sport. And that what I would consider the sport side of it is a performance aspect of saying everything that happens before you walk into the arena is you honing your craft. And the sport happens in a very short period of time on stage in front of 10 people. Um, But that if we expect other people to treat it as such, we need to understand that making the subjectivity less gray and less vast is probably the only way that that's going to be accepted, which is arguably why natural bodybuilding being in the Olympics, which is Denny Kakos's main priority, is getting natural bodybuilding in the Olympics and making it a legitimized sport, is why his argument is that it could be done, is because there's just as much subjectivity in a lot of the other sports in the Olympics, but that removing the gray area of having enough judges have the exact same answer if you move them into a separate room and ask them why they racked and stacked the way they did would make people feel more comfortable with the outcome afterward. That's how I believe. Yeah, what if you did that? What if you held people accountable, the judges accountable for the decisions they made in a very public arena? You know, because then you would be forced to say out loud why you made the decisions you made. Sure, which is usually... You were not, or whatever. Yeah, which is part of the reason why the WBFF is in hot water right now for one of the things uh, is their scorecards. They've said for years, we don't keep standardized scorecards. And so now everybody's like, well, how do I know you just didn't pick the person that you is your friend? Like there's no scorecards. So I just don't know how publicly accountable, especially considering, if you really think about it this way, if Steam Weinberger called out the top three guys. Are you really going to tell a guy who's been doing this for 35 years, hey, I thought the other guy should have been in there in second and the other guy should have been in there in third and you should move these two other guys out of the lineup? Probably not. Because again, if he's the head of the judges commission, you're supposed to be kind of following under what he believes is what he's seeing on stage as the best athletes. So the transparency of it kind of loses its value when you have a judges commission possibly run by somebody not with I wouldn't say with, uh, you know, different motives in terms of wanting to pick the winner. But if you think for a second that, like, the newbies on the left and right of Steve are going to tell him that they think it's a different top five. So when you get him in a room, they're just going to tell you. I thought the same thing Steve saw. I saw this, 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 and this. Yeah, but, I mean, is the counter-argument there? Like, if it can be that widely disputed, then... Is the sport just too subjective to be a sport? Like that, that is know? the argument. That is the only argument. Right? Yeah, that is the argument. So then I I would love to hear from everybody at home, right? Is if, this a sport? What are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? What I, I, to quote the show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. What is happening? Because that's what I feel like this really is. So Layla and I are split on when it becomes a sport and when it becomes a lifestyle. But in the same sense, we want to hear from you guys. So feel free to sound off in the comments section, either on Instagram or here on YouTube. Let us know what you think of bodybuilding as a sport and be sure to rate, review, subscribe. And Layla and I will see you next time on the United States of America.